the only podcast that uses room scale technology. You're now listening to the exclamation mark. the only podcast that uses room scale technology. My name is Crofton Steers. I am the Oculus Rift of this podcast, if you will. Uh, you know, streamlined, easy to use, but with minimal options. Um, and uh, joining me, as he does all week, is the uh, every week, is the HTC Vive of this podcast. I'm talking about Bo Schwartz. Hi, Crofton. Hello, exclamation mark podcast listeners. I got to be the vibe. I thought you for sure you were gonna say that I was. Um, I don't know if you if you researched the name of the VR back in the eighties, like the the New World Matron or something. Like no, so no, Bo, you you are. I thought there's a disc coming. Down multi-talented, the so you're you're you have lots of things that you can do, but you know you're kind of unpolished. So um, oh, is the, vibe, mean, is the vibe unpolished? I didn't. I wasn't aware of this. We will get into this. Uh, oh. But before, so on this episode of the exclamation mark, we will be diving right into the uh, VR wars, the new console wars. Uh, we'll be uh, having a dialogue tree a little later on, talking about console upgrades, the PlayStation 4.5 perhaps being on the horizon, and uh, we're going to talk some of the uh, the news of the week as we are want to do, as well as what we are playing. Um, so that. Bear with us. It's going to be another great episode of the exclamation mark. Wow, you is really this... put a lot of like your, your full your full scrotum into yelling. It's the exclamation mark. It's so exciting. I feel like, like we should wow. tell people what we're going to talk about. All right. Well, uh, extent, you well know? there's a few like, things, a few things going on. So for the preamble, I, we don't have to tease it. We're going to get to it. It's good stuff. But um, one thing I need people to know is we're recording the show while the Heroes of the Dorm competition is going on. This is like the NCAA basketball March Madness. It's a bunch of college kids fighting over tuition uh, while they play Heroes of the Dorm. But EXM is my greater priority, so that's what we're doing. But I do have a window open and watching it. And I, my bracket, my the fantasy league that I have, I, I've gone for UT Arlington as the winner. Who are the underdogs? So in the fantasy bracket, I'm in 3,500th place. But if I manage to snag 500th or higher, I will get a free Asmo Dunk skin. So we're, we're really rooting for the underdogs here. But so let me get this straight: there is fantasy sports for esports now. Well, Blizzard itself actually it's not it has a, a very minor but very well designed fantasy competition thing where you can guess the brackets and they first place gets ten thousand dollars. I'm way out of the running for that, but I may be able to sneak into 500th place. We'll see. Damn. The, so the huge favorites you, are, are Arizona State, the other one, and it's the best of five right now, and the first game's just started. But uh, I'll have my eye on that, so if Crofton has to snap me back into attention, I'm going to oh, try man. not to watch too much, but I've, there's a lot riding on this. I want I want a sweet... This can only go skin. poorly. <laughs> so anyway, uh, well, that's me. For, for those of you who are longtime watchers, Thank you. But also, uh, Bo has a hard time reading comments and talking at the same time, much less watching a live video True. stream. And so we will see how this goes. The trolls like us, Crofton. The trolls, they, they see our channel in the uh, what's playing on Twitch, and they go, hey, there's a couple of guys that we want to go bother. So, so trolls piss I'm, off. 
I have a little aside here. You see this thing, for those of you watching, this is a uh, Chromebook. A... Oh, um, nice. And it, it, we just bought one of these for my wife, my wife's father, and I'm, I'm just kind of setting it up. For those of you unfamiliar with Chromebooks, they're essentially a laptop that only runs one program, and that program is Chrome. Uh, and uh, it's amazing to me how much stuff can run through a browser now. Like, you know, um, the word processor I use on my main desktop is is Google Docs, and I use like all that stuff is now through through your browser. Really, you know, Google Drive, yeah, everything. So it doesn't everything. run. It doesn't run apps like you'd find on your your Android phone or anything like that. Well, you can get the you can get those apps, but mostly they're. Um, to my understanding, they're extensions, they're uh, plugins for Chrome. Oh. Uh, so it's only, it's like a Chrome, it's a Chrome device, but the thing is, it's like, my, my, you know, my wife's father is, like, he's older, he's had a lot of viruses on his computer, and honestly, like, we're lucky, we grew up in a generation where we're tech literate, we know all this stuff, but, but people who aren't, or people who are, who are, um, you know, uh, just learning to use computers at older ages because now you pretty much have to. Like you can't – it's very hard to get away from computers altogether. There's just so many functions and uh, Chrome Chromebooks just boil down those functions. They give you the keyboard. They give you the screen. So it's not like a tablet. Right. But they – but like I've set it up so he has, you know, his email, his, his, um, his internet, his uh, – Online banking uh, and just stuff like, like really basic stuff. It's it's all at the bottom of the screen. He's got like six icons that go to the six things that he goes to. And um, okay. I think that this is really convenient. And I hear all this stuff about libraries uh, buying a bunch of Chromebooks and schools buying a bunch of Chromebooks. And I can totally see why that is. They don't have to worry about virus protection. It's pretty much unvirusable. And, <laughs> yeah, that's a term. And, <laughs> it, yeah, it works on Chrome OS, which is like a dedicated operating system just okay. to run Chrome. It's so it's uh, it's kind of a it's kind of a nifty device anyway. Like, um, and good for like say it's got tons of battery life because how much battery life do you need to just run Chrome? You know, not that not that much. I don't know. According uh, to my so, task manager, it seems to chew up a lot of memory, but. Well, if it's the only Maybe, thing, I yeah. guess. Then, well, um, that sounds actually pretty awesome. So, does it run any? Like, you have one for yourself now, right? That's what you. No, you, oh, I've just bought it for Jesse's dad. Okay. We're going to send it to him in the mail. I've set it all up, like with with everything, so he can just open it, log on to his. Like, you have to have a Google account, right? So we had to create sure. that for him. So you log on, and then you have all this stuff that's kind of easy to use, interconnected. But it's for him. Like, honestly. It doesn't fit in terms of my lifestyle. Like I have my smartphone, I have a tablet, I have like you know a lot of a lot of options, a laptop, a full laptop, and a desktop, and all that. So I, it doesn't necessarily fit for me. But it really like if for any listeners out there who have parents yeah. uh, who who are always having problems with their computer and are bugging you nonstop with like how do I do this or how do I do that? I'm thinking about our buddy Mike Hodgins' dad in particular then this is a way to get rid of all the extraneous stuff and just focus on what they're actually going to use it sure. for. And so sometimes I have to step away from it and be like, 
I'm like, oh man, it's so annoying that it doesn't have this or it doesn't have that. But then I'm like, you know what? That annoys me because I'm a nerd, but it's not going to annoy. No, no. What annoys a regular user is just they do a thing and it doesn't do the thing they expect. They're immediately. What, like, yes. I pushed the email button. Where's my email? <laughs> it's just like, well, yeah, I know. you got to double click it, buddy. Anyway, that's, that's my sales pitch for Chromebooks. All right. Well, uh, it, you'll have to report back on how that works because I'm sure we have listeners who have family who have the same problems. I'm the computer tech in my family. And there isn't anything – like when I was younger, there I'd love to do it. And now that I'm older and don't have a lot of time, you know, like it's the last thing I want to do. I'm just like buy a replacement is always my answer yeah. no, I, like, I Don't know bug me about it. Like I can't take it anymore. But it drives me nuts to hear that my wife's dad's got like paying these huge computer repair bills yeah. when a Chromebook is literally 300 bucks. So like that's it. They're super cheap too because they only do this one thing and they're pretty polished machines. So I, it, to that to that regard, it's like instead of spending 150 bucks to get your computer repaired, just buy a freaking Chromebook or whatever right. so it's that's that's sort of what I'm, I'm i'm hoping that people uh will do and that they have a business i'm hoping that this works for him he's still gonna have to get used to new things it's a new ecosystem but i think he'll get used to all it, right uh, well pretty quick this segment brought to you by google <laughs> by google thank you google what's for the google my life better what's the google slogan uh your parents Just, unchained what is the it, google does google have a slogan search facilitated Really? Google may not have a slogan. I can't think of a Google slogan. Just, go- just Google it. Hang on. This is important. This is important enough. Google's so I, important. I don't think Google has a slogan. I think it's just – it's so powerful that it's its brand. Like does Apple have a slogan? I guess not. Like, it's weird. Take it's weird a bite to, out of us? Take a bite out of us. Um, uh, like, no, this I don't apple think... – bite this apple and it will bring you to Eden as opposed to kicking you out. That's a terrible slogan. Think, <laughs> all right they don't have one who cares let's move on um, when you're when you're so big you don't need slogans oh Just, that's their slogan nice one yeah. all right and that's also <laughs> what right. she said uh to cue me up dude yeah oh yeah we're gonna do the news readme.txt let's do it All right, this is readme.txt where we deliver the news, but this is just breaking because we tweeted out that we're live streaming and I got a response immediately from Eric Van Skyhawk saying, during the Heroes of the Dorm Files? (laughs) That was hilarious. I was like, dude, the future's here. I'm podcasting and I'm watching. By the way, UT Arlington looking kind of shaky against Arizona State. Anyways, let's continue on with the show. Okay, actually, you know what? That's the first item I got here on the news, esports news. So there's a World of Tanks final in Europe. It turns out I didn't even realize how many people play this World of Tanks. Have you ever heard of this game before? I have, actually. World of Tanks was something that people pitched to me as being of interest. And it sounds on the surface kind of like Planet Side with nothing but Prowlers and Vanguards. <laughs> so yeah. I was like, well, it can't be that bad. But I just never checked it out. But they've they did so well that they have world of airplanes, and I think they have a world of boats kind of thing. Like, and it's all military, but it's not like so nuanced that they have soldiers and shit. I think it's just like you like tanks. We got your playground for tanks. But it's just I I did a search. I literally searched this this week. Most popular video games in the world, or something something yeah. along those lines. Yeah. 
And so they had it broken down by sort of percentage of PC players over 2015. Yeah. And World of Tanks was really hot. Like, I mean, percentage-wise, nothing comes close to League of Legends, which is just like this massive line. And then everything else is underneath, you know, WoW and all that shit. Mm-hmm. But but World of Tanks was high. And it was higher than a lot of MOBAs even. Like Heroes of the Storm was under had less players than World of Tanks. And, and, and World of Tanks... Um, has just had this big event, I guess, in Europe, in which a big prize pool was again, uh, again given away. So these esports are going are going nuts, and I hear that there's a lot of reporters that are essentially losing their job in traditional video game industry sort of positions, reporting on the news, and and are now becoming like esports specialists because like that's where the jobs are. Like all sorts of channels and shit want esports specialists. I think because I think the thing about video games is look, you spend a bunch of time in development. And then you create a thing, and then it gets sold, and then it's done. Like, then it's in the bargain bin six months later, unless it's a major hit. Like, esports allows the content creation financial loop to continue rolling out. Like, there's just more long-term money. And it's funny, because I look at World of Tanks as kind of like the EVE Online of esports, where it's like, you know it's a big MMO, but, you know, unless you, you hear about it, like, you just, you sort of hear about it organically. It's not like they have some huge marketing budget and shit, you know, like... So it's sort of, it's like, oh, they have a huge player base. And it's like, from where? <laughs> like, I see League of Legends ads all the time and Hearthstone ads and whatever. World of Tanks every now and then, but mostly I feel like people just kind of get into it and then you're in this sort of niche, uh, this very large niche. But yeah, World so of Tanks is, uh, I've tried watching. It's pretty boring to watch, I got to be honest with you. So explain to me then Heroes of the Dorm. Like, it, the finals is going on right now, yep. but how did we get here? Oh, well, they did this last year, and one of the the big thing about Blizzard and esports is Blizzard Riot, who makes League of Legends, is like, I don't want to say they're a nobody company, but like all they're known for is League, and they organically grew into this thing, and they developed their own network of streaming, like on Twitch and stuff. But Blizzard's a publicly traded company, like Blizzard Activision, it's huge. And what yeah, Blizzard no is really trying to do is get on mainstream TV. And the big deal with Heroes of the Dorm is that it's running on espn and tsn here in canada like yeah it's it's one of the more mainstream productions in fact a lot of the hardcore gamers hate the the broadcast ui on tv because it's for noobs they really simplify everything down <laughs> and everyone's like oh this is for grandma and grandpa so they can watch it it's so stupid grandma and grandpa they're like what is this this new sport after curling but to be fair, there's a lot more young people into it. So when you are having those family gatherings, I know Scott Johnson on, on the core show that we did, he talked about he had his family over for Thanksgiving, I think, or something, or whatever just happened, Easter. And there was, Easter, they had, he was watching, he was like hanging out by himself in the basement watching, watching esports. And, and people would come down and hang out and watch with them and ask questions and sort of get into it and, and, you know. So it's kind of like how maybe if football might be on the TV and, and there's a big football fan in your family, but people come to hang out with you and watch football and sort of get into it. It had that effect. So I think esports more and more are becoming like that. And the big deal with Heroes of the Storm, because it's not the most popular MOBA, but it is the company with the most like clout. Like Blizzard bought MLG and MLG's yeah. got ties to television. Like to get mainstream broadcast access, Blizzard's the Blizzard is the one. They're the one that are, have the best shot at doing it. Doesn't mean that's going to happen when all the cards get played. But um, here's the dorm. It's a March Madness style thing, so it's only two episodes really. Like it's two. It's not like a year long broadcast. It's very experimental. 
but for the most part, they've been pretty big successes. So. And would it be the biggest Heroes of the Storm thing so far? Like, is is Heroes of the Storm? Not in terms the... of prize pool, and I think the the the, fa- the true fandom really like the BlizzCon events. Like every, the, the, there's now three championships a year. The first one happened this year, and, and so that's like pay per view television. Like those are the bigger ones, but this is the other one. This is the other big one. What's the wrestling equivalent? You've WrestleMania. Got, you've got WrestleMania, and then don't you have one where the noobs like didn't NXT just happen or something? I was part of a conversation that lasted an hour all about it, and I learned more than I cared to. But uh, NXT, I is do like that Nakamura guy. That Nakamura guy is kind of cool. Anyways, oh, oh wow, you are totally <laughs> level. You're now you just I leveled, leveled up. up in wrestling yeah, nerddom there. Yeah, yeah. He, he's he, he's in the and I guess I don't know. He was there. I don't know much about it, but the NXT is it NXT? Those are the next generation dudes, right? Yes. Next, so here's next. the Doom is kind of like next generation, and the BlizzCon, the, the spring, the championships, the regular stuff are the WrestleManias. There you go. I like I like Done. how you spoke my language there to allow me to understand. <laughs> I can I, see I, I can see you I can see you I'm wandering. Like, oh, I saw nice. you I saw your attention wander a little bit. And I was like. <laughs> Let's bring it. Let's bring this back. Uh, let's to bring this back. A relatable um, thing. Yeah. So okay, uh, March Madness type event and the finals going on now are between which two universities? Uh, they're going UT Arlington and Arizona State, and UT Arlington has just dropped their first game. Arizona State is on the core right now, uh, and they're going to win. So and, and you had I I have in my fantasy bracket UT Arlington. So now we're down a game. We got to win okay. three. We still have three to win. But uh, hey. I, I, okay, I got you, got you, got yeah, you, got yeah. you. Um, all right, so like, let's let's move on, and you'll yeah. provide uh, updates throughout uh, throughout yeah, the I'll, show. I'll update you throughout the show. Okay, so virtual reality is here. We're now living in the matrix, the future, if you will. Um, it, both Oculus Rift and the HTC Vive have released consumer models since we last recorded an episode of the exclamation mark. The PlayStation uh, VR is coming later this year. Oculus Touch or Move or whatever is coming later this year. Um, and I got to tell you, Bo, and and I think that um, – I think I'm not sure if it was an episode of this show or an episode of Good, Bad, or Bullshit where we were right. talking and you were explaining um, how when the iPad first came out, you were just entranced with uh, the marketing. Or you just I had to buy one. I had you, to buy. It, I, I, it was like the Illuminati. Like there's a little laser from my television shooting into my eyeballs, controlling my brain, and it didn't feel right until I owned the iPad too. Yes. Okay. So now. I have played your Oculus Rift DK2 developmental kit or whatever, and it's, it is sort of like it, – it is one of those things that people can explain VR to you all day long. But until you use one of these things, um, at least in some capacity, you can't really get as excited. And I got just the right amount of excited. I, I got to play a couple of tech demos. I didn't get to use it long enough so that the luster came off the rose or anything like that. I was just – I just got a nice a nice sort of sample, so I got a sense of what it is. Now the consumer model is even like higher resolution. Everything is better and more polished. Everything looks awesome on Oculus. I was reading the re- reviews of Oculus, and I was getting super excited. Then the HTC reviews came in, and honestly, all I thought the HTC Vive was was an Oculus Rift with the touch controllers, the ones that were coming later this year. But what it is is that plus – this room scanning, you put two sensors, it scans your room, and you can actually walk around in a virtual space. Right. And it's supposedly extremely well done to the point that people are, are, are you know, dropping their controllers on virtual tables and, and, and you know, they're landing on the real floor or whatever. Um, 
So I was immediately I went from being super interested in Oculus Rift to and eh, moderately interested in Vive to suddenly super duper interested in Vive um, because it it just seems like that's crazy like that's magic that's the future I I want to try that I want to walk around in this virtual space you know like are you did you know this is is are no, you No I had a I knew about the controllers and I I guess I'd heard about RoomSense but I hadn't seen a demo till they had this stuff up on Steam and it looked cool they had people watching I mean they had to do green screen thing but they had people watching on a TV the person in VR laughing at you know what he was doing but also seeing what he was accomplishing in the virtual space on the television so that kind of excited me cuz i haven't seen that kind of stuff come out of the Oculus camp and I guess a Steam Box is out, like because the big thing was there was supposed yeah. to be a Steam console, and if they're out, they haven't made a big splash, as far as I can tell. Maybe no. The bigger thing that's made a splash is the uh, what is it? The Steam um, shit. The one that allows it's a little box you put at your Steam TV link. and you can link. stream the link. Steam Link? Steam Link, yeah, that's yeah. it. I've heard a lot of people talk about how awesome that is. Yeah, like I feel like they're a reputable company. Like they're they're gonna put a product out that's really good, but it hasn't penetrated the market, I think, in that in the big way that maybe I was thinking. And so I've always had some trepidation about the vibe where it's gonna be, yeah, some great piece of technology, but at the end of the day, you know, Xbox and the PlayStation 4 are still the, the, the home boxes du jour as far as I can tell. Yeah. And and like and so why would I invest money in buying hardware for an ecosystem that's not supported? Now, Steambox is supported because it has your Steam library. So Steambox can be this add-on, value-added side thing, and you still get value out of your Steam account. The issue with the the Vive is that it's a whole new environment. Games have to be designed kind of specifically for it. Um, so, like, are, is this the new version of Console Wars? Like, Because I know the way PCs work that... Oculus stuff should work on Vive, I guess in theory, but maybe but not. But it doesn't like, always. That's the thing. They're like, kind of. I don't like, know that there's a united driver set like for graphics cards and stuff. Like yeah. you don't, you're not like, oh, I can't play this game because it requires an AMD. It's like no, the the big major manufacturers all, you know, make their graphics cards to a set of standards that are sort of flat and universal and that a lot of people can develop on. But, like, you know, PlayStation is notorious for having, like, very specific hardware requirements that, like, developers have to adjust what they do to make sure it's on the platform. Notably, when Skyrim came out, there was, like, a huge bug in Skyrim yeah. because of that. PlayStation and, 3, in particular, sure. was, like, a, a, clo- a very close environment. Right. So... The thing, the thing, Bo, is, and you make a lot of good points here because this is what's sort of tempering my excitement. So, so it costs a shit ton of money to make a game, and you need, especially a triple A like big budget game. Yeah. Then, then you need to sell that game a certain amount of copies to recoup operating costs, right? So then you need an install base, um, and uh, I just see like the install base of the Vive is going to be very limited um, at the beginning because both of them will be. They require powerful computers that not everybody has. Um, there's a, So uh, I'm not going to invest a ton of money into making a game. Valve might. They might be like, we're going to really push this by developing our own our own game. And so there might be one killer app for the Vive coming from them in the near future. I, right. I, that's, that's sort of my, my feeling. 
Uh, where Oculus, I think there's going to be a lot of games that come out that will be like sort of like E-Valkyrie, which is kind of like a traditional game, but you can play it with the Oculus Rift. You know what I mean? Okay. Like you can, yeah. or or what's the one you played there? Um, uh, no. With the ship, space, Elite, Elite Dangerous. Da- Elite Dangerous, yeah. So there might be other games like that 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 just implement VR as as well. But to have that full room scale experience, you're going to need to you know program entire games. So so part of me is tempered that that from running out and buying it based on the idea that like you know what, um, there there's going to be it's going to be a long time before there's a ton of stuff to do on it. But the other part of me is like I have a computer right now that can run it. But it ha- it's gra- my graphics card is essentially the minimum system requirements or recommended system. Either bottom line, it, it it's not getting any younger, and so when they release their next version of these headsets, or, which for sure they will at one point, my computer will probably need to be upgraded as well. Yeah, yeah. So right now, I can get in on it. I could go and I could buy it, and it would work perfectly, and everything would be great. But I might not be able to get in on the next version without a substantial upgrade to my PC again. And that makes me tempted to go out now, even though I know there's I'll probably be, you know, do everything there is to do in like an hour. I don't know. So but I'm I'm stoked. I, I'm really excited. So you're in, you're this. all in. You're gonna be getting oh, this yeah. thing. Yeah. I will be getting I will be getting something. It's how long can I hold out? And right now I'm already feeling pretty confident. In myself, I went to the Vive order page. I had it sure. in my cart and all that sort yeah. of thing. And then I backed out. And then I was like, okay, you know mm-hmm. what? Breathe, breathe. I can do this. And uh, temper, the, temper the, your, your desire. Because like I said, there's no killer app. I, like there's cool experiences with it, but uh, it's – I should just lend you mine if you really need to – well, you know. no, see, that's it. You have the Oculus DK2. It's not the same. <laughs> no, I know. It's it, it's not room scale VR, and it's it's a lower. You complained about the screen door like, effect, and I looked and I looked up on the other ones, and they have much better resolution than than yeah, than so yours. Maybe, yeah, so. so maybe it's better. Here's the one thing I would say, and this is like I feel like I would have wanted an iPad when it came out. At least getting second generation of new technology is not necessarily a bad thing, because shit will be not perfect. True. I know they've been in beta a long time, but um, how early adopter do you want to be? Because you are taking a flyer on 1400 Canadian dollars on the new tech that will have a second generation. This will have a second generation. They're, yeah. they're not going to release this stuff, and it's exciting enough that I believe they'll see some development time. So it might be worth, it might be worth waiting. I know it, I'm waiting, but partly because I've already had my – I've already been sated. When the no, DK2 came exactly. out, I sated myself for 300 bucks. So, so, and that yeah. was, and that in hindsight may, may have been a, a fairly smart move. The, the um, just to get back to what I, the yes. reviews, yes. so the reviews are, so Oculus came out first, got pretty much nine out of tens in anywhere that had a scoring system, although a lot of places don't provide scores like that, like they do for video games for, for hardware and stuff. But there was like, you know, places everywhere, like from CNET to like the Washington Post to whatever, everybody giving the Oculus Rift great reviews. They're saying really uh, amazing, um, super easy to set up. The Oculus Home, whoops, sorry about that. The Oculus Home uh, interface is sweet, really allows you to jump right in, choose different things, um, very user-friendly. 
everything about it is good. They're just saying, you know what? You probably don't need it right now because there isn't enough stuff. Lucky's Tale and was one of the bundled in games, got middling reviews. Um, and the other game, uh, um, oh, the Eve one, is is considered, I think, good. But again, it's like if that was an X-Wing versus TIE Fighter game, I'd probably be much more interested. Instead, it's like some Eve game. Yeah. Um, so so there, that's the Oculus an, I have played an, 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 X, an X-Wing simulator, though. That does exist with the full oh, sound man. effects. Oh. It's like fan-made. So, it's not, you know, but it's still, it does, it does a know. trick a little bit, you know? Um, so so then uh, then the HTC Vive reviews essentially are funny because they came out a week later and everybody sort of blew their loads on Oculus and was like, 9 out of 10, woo! Uh, I'm going to write that down. That might be your show title for this week. And, uh, <laughs> and they're like, 9 out of 10. But then the critics got the HTC Vive and you can see that they didn't really know what to do. They're like, oh man, this is so crazy. I'm walking around in a virtual reality space. However, it's a less polished... It requires room, which there's no way that you're going to be able to simulate the matrix or some, you know, have this like virtual reality space without having room. I always hate that when it's written as like, you need like this much space. I'm like, of course you need that much space. What did they expect? They were going to invent some teleport you to some magical realm where you'd be able to walk around, you know, like you need space to walk. It makes sense. So I hated seeing it docked for that. Like people were docking at points for that. But the other thing they were docking at points for was, um, they said it felt prototypey, like wires not put down the way that they should be. They run down your back. It's just like everything was a little kinky and stuff, especially compared to the smooth ride that the Oculus Rift provided. So, right. so it, they were saying like on one hand, this thing does way more stuff than the Oculus is thinking way bigger in many ways. And then on the other hand, they're saying this one is way more polished. So in the end, they, they often gave it like 91 instead of 90. They'd be like, well, we'll give it one point more and say it's better. But at the same point, a lot of people are saying if you have to choose between one at launch, the Oculus is the more polished product. Hmm. Hmm. I kind of believe it because that's the one. That's all they're doing. That's all they're doing over there, and they've got some big names over at Oculus trying to make this thing happen. I want to say one thing. I haven't checked it out yet, but apparently, there's now someone who's doing a VR like pod podcast show type deal where they're all in VR doing a show together. I can't remember what it's called. I think the guy's name is Will Smith who does it, but not Will Smith. Not Will Smith, like celebrity actor Will Smith, but like tech guru Will Smith. I feel bad for that guy. He's like Michael Bolton yeah, in but, Office but, Space. But this guy has the Will Smith account. Like he, he like Will Smith does like he's a verified user and you know, celebrity Will Smith, you can suck it, you don't get a Twitter account with your name on it. Celebrity Will so, Smith. So Celebrity Will Smith has to use something like the real Will Smith. Um one one thing that uh that is interesting, Bo, and you touched on it, and this is almost excites me more than the gaming experiences, is everything that you can do with VR. And I've heard of like there's a company that's launched, I think it's in Canada, where it's like say sporting events, right? You you um like a, a hockey ga- game, they might have these cameras on these two seats on the front row or whatever in the best possible spot. And then it's like they, they record it. You can watch the sport live. They're working on it. So you, you'd buy these virtual tickets and then you'd be like – you'd be in like some sort of arena or you'd be in an arena like live action watching this stuff in VR space. Right. And as they refine those experiences, like it's going to be it's going to be nuts. And I just read um, that book um, that Steven Spielberg's turning into a movie, Ready Player One. And this is very much – 
ready player one type stuff. Like they'd go into these virtual worlds and then they'd have like, they'd be using their desktops in the virtual worlds. They'd be doing all sorts of stuff in the virtual space. And now people like you can go on, you can go in into these rooms with giant movie theaters, like where you're watching a movie on a giant movie theater screen, except you're in a virtual space. I mean, it, it really sets the imagination free on what could be coming down the road. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited for VR, man. Like I think, uh, I think VR is just like, it's going to be a big thing, but I don't think you need to buy it immediately. I think there's still, both companies are still trying to figure out what, what is the thing that's going to make grandma and grandpa want to buy this? Once everybody has a sense that they want it for a thing, basically they need to have fitness, we fitness in this thing. If they can yeah. incorporate fitness into the virtual reality thing, you're golden. It's funny. I was thinking about this the other day, like, because people have treadmills at home. So if if there was like some sort of zombie a, zombie shooter, zombie shooter treadmill game, or or even like even just a treadmill where you're running on like a and and the headset is connected. Although you'd be sweating, so it'd be kind of fucking nasty. Maybe it would get. It, all into the but anyway it'd be just really neat to be looking at instead of looking at my shitty basement looking at like you know all sorts of amazing areas like you could do a run through iceland or something like that you know i think that would be wicked although again the sweat would be a deal breaker i guess well Um, you know once the affordability of vr machines goes down maybe you can everyone in your family can have their own headset and that way you don't have to share it Right. Cardboard's an option, I suppose, too. Although, God, I'd hate to have that thing doused in sweat. Maybe not. <laughs> Sweaty cardboard. Another good show title. Um. So the other the other thing I wanted to, to mention real quick, uh, something that came up this week was a discussion about cross-platform play. And by, by that, I mean what Rocket League's been doing between the PS4 and the, um, and the PC since launch allowing users from these two different ecosystems to play together. And it's funny because we have for a super long time just assumed that, you know, you buy the game on Xbox, you buy it on PlayStation, you buy it on PC, and they're not going to play together. You just, we've been conditioned to thinking that even though it's really kind of stupid. So like you buy Call of Duty, the newest Call of Duty on each of those three systems, and and you know that you're not going you you'll only be able to play in one of three playgrounds and now rocket league now this has happened before but but rocket league's a prominent example of of two two sort of pc and ps4 working together and then when rocket league was released on xbox one earlier this year they said oh we're not going to have cross-platform play so we're not going to you're not going to be able to play with the pc and ps4 folks and then i don't know what happened maybe there was an uproar maybe whatever they worked it out so now all three are and this is the first ever all three are going to be in the same ecosystem like when i start a game of rocket league i'll be able to play xbox one people ps4 people or pc people um and and that begs the question why don't they do that all the time right like why 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 can't you have cross platform play across the board so microsoft has said yeah no cool let's do that we're open to it baby cross platform play forever and then meanwhile sony has said uh, uh, we did it a lot before remember final fantasy 11 on playstation 2 we did it then remember remember that guys but <laughs> It seems clear to me what's going on is Microsoft's getting their ass kicked. Uh, 
and they they're like anything that will will make them seem cool they're up for where sony is winning right now and they definitely don't want to give any assists to their opposition because right. like if you know that you can play with your friends who own playstation 4s then then maybe you'll buy an xbox one you're like oh i'll buy an xbox one because i'd like to play halo and i can play with call of duty with my ps4 buddies so i don't need to just buy a ps4 i can buy an xbox right. one instead right so anyway, yeah. what do you what do you think about cross platform play? Well, like like everyone who's a consumer, we don't give a shit about the exclusivity rights or you know needs of a company. That's the big question here is customer satisfaction, and and we know they do exclusive. Why like why is any game exclusive? It's because the company wants you playing on their system, and like is that a bad thing? As a consumer, like we're just like we're not fussed by it. We'd rather have flexibility in our choices. So we've always understood that that game, like specifically consoles, have opted to do this practice. But it's just not good for consumers. And we live in an age now where, in the PC world, like playing online, it's like it's easy as breathing. Like every game, we have that expectation of being able to play with people, and that's why there's you always have to see these PC master race kind of style things because consoles are bogged down by their proprietary interests. So they should just do it, like. But, but it's we kind of like we need a United Nations for video game video gaming to set sta- ISOs. What's that? PC is limited. You can't play a PC game against a Mac user. You can't play a PC no, game but against a, a, PC, an, a PS4 PC, user. If if any console company wants to include PC as part of their player base, no one in the PC world is going to deny them because of proprietary right. Like it, right, all the objection comes from the proprietary property holders of like consoles, Nintendo, Xbox, Xbox, or whatever. That's where that's where the no comes from. That's where the we can't comes from. So what I'm saying is that you know. Um, I forgot what I was saying. Just that no, you know, no, like makes, you make it, it's 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 that they our expectations have shifted so much that in the PC world, there's never these hangups on Steam. I can play any game with anybody as long as the developers have you know put some means for it in there. No one ever has to have this conversation like, oh, you've got a a quad core, I can't play with you. I've only got a dual core because we're on different pla-. like that. It's just so foreign to the PC world. And, it and is, it we is need a United Nations of video games, and this should be the first, what is it, resolution, to put forward a standard by which all con- if you want to develop consoles on the planet Earth, you have to make it so that the online is easy. Like just, and, and there's no competing about it. That's it. You just have to do it. And if you don't like it, don't develop consoles because now it's it's illegal and will sanction your video game company or something <laughs> and Crofton will definitely veto something after I under, I de- I understand what you're saying and you're right like people want want that choice but you're going a little too easy I think on on PC there's a lot of issues play online on PC like sure. I've had more issues playing online PC games than I have ever on consoles consoles they work that's it. Well, quality PC, is a different different thing. Let's no, no, it's 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 totally connected because yeah. one is one is related to like one company running this whole thing and giving you a quality experience. The other is like, hey, it's the Wild West here, so maybe it'll be good, but sometimes it'll be shitty, and maybe it'll be you play. Um, but like the th- the thing is, for for me, the way I I I see it when I when I think of these these guys playing together is I think about. What is their capabilities? So you mentioned the PlayStation 3. 
its architecture was effed up, okay? Like, it would not, it's just not feasible for a PlayStation 3 game to play online with an Xbox 360 game, which also had its architecture issues. Now, we're at a generation with the Xbox One and the PS4 where they are pretty much like computers, okay? Like, they are, they are very I, I i'm not exactly sure if their architecture but it's very much um there's a reason why rocket league can play across these systems so we're at that point in time where if you're united nations of gaming there's another show title if you're united <laughs> nations of gaming was set up right now it would be able to maybe say impose some sort of like you must all play together type rules okay. and also the xbox one and the ps4 are just different shades of each other. They're the same thing. They're it's not like a Nintendo console. They're completely just variants of like a video card, a hard drive, you know, like their own proprietary operating system. And each of them, it used to be that only Microsoft charged for online. They had the Xbox Live and you needed it. You had to pay for an Xbox oh Live God. membership. I want to play that on. money back by the way. It, so the <laughs> Xbox Live membership and then then PlayStation started PlayStation Plus where they let you play on PlayStation 3 you could play online for free yeah. and then and then they said, "Oh, you know what? Um if you want to play pay us, we'll give you free games every month." And then they made in the PlayStation 4 when they were winning the console war, they suddenly made it, "Oh no, now you also have to play you get your free games, but you also need to pay to play online." Um, and so now both of them you have to pay to play uh, online, and they're both trying to justify that online service because, as you said, everybody knows on a PC you just turn it on you can play online. On a lot of other systems, like if I want to play my Nintendo 3DS online, I don't have to pay anybody. But these guys, they know what they're doing. They're making money hand over fist, so it's hard for them to want to well, work together because they may demean they, the value of their online service. They, they, in one manner of looking at it, like they, it's almost a way to recover the cost of the hardware. So hardware is a loss leaders. So if yeah, you buy right. a piece of hardware and then get billed a couple hundred bucks over its cycle because you're on the live component, then you're effectively paying more for your console. Right, so yeah, it's a it's an interesting issue. Um, like, I'm not saying I'm unsympathetic to the fact that they need to. There's, is cost recovery involved in providing that curated online service for consoles, and that cross platform basically undermines the value of it. But it's 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 a I, tough I sell leave, for for a PC gamer. I guess we'll. Say I think they way. should leave it up to developers. If if yeah. a developer is able to make it work, right. you know. Then, then, because I've heard all sorts of corporate buzz lines where it's like, well, you know, we have a code of values and ethics that the gamers accept, so we can't protect them from people who are outside of yeah. the network. Like, and like here's an that. example: like Overwatch is coming out on all consoles and PC. I don't think it's cross-platform. So, like, do you have to pay to play that game online, which is basically online only? Because like Blizzard games now are like always online. Like, you ha- do you have to have a live account for that? I wonder. Because like, I just, that's that's horrible. <laughs> you could make horrible. the point though, depending on like, so somebody plays Rocket League on their PS4. Yeah. You have your kid. You're like, oh, you know what? I'm gonna turn off voice chat and I'm gonna let you play Rocket League on your PS4. So then, then little Timmy's like, oh sweet, I'm playing the soccer video game. And then, then he 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 starts playing against like PC players, 
and suddenly there's little chat instead of nice shot, nice save, and all that sort of stuff in his chat message. There's like he's playing with Crofton. This guy named Flashblade is like playing with him, and you suck donkey dick, little Timmy. And he's like, (laughs) Mommy, what is this? Why are they so mean? You know, or whatever. And and the PlayStation PlayStation is unable to like block that because that's coming from an outside network now okay. i i would argue because this is an excuse that they've made this is an excuse yeah. that's, that's come up i would argue that that you should have the option to turn on or off crossplay, and so a parent can be like okay you know whatever uh, i'm gonna turn i'm gonna turn it off so little timmy can't play with the pc noobs you know um uh, which I think you can do on Rocket League already. So if a developer is willing to support cross-platform play, if they're willing to do the work, if Activision Blizzard is willing to go to Call of Duty developers and say, hey, I want you, for every version of Call of Duty you release, I want it to be able to play with the two other major versions, then the, the Microsoft and Sony, they should go suck a dick. Like, really. <laughs> um I also want to point out too, because the other part of this is the nerd rage that ensues over unfair balancing about crossplay. Because you mentioned Call of Duty, and I'm like, mouse and keyboard aiming is like, please give me controller aiming people all day. I will wipe the floor with them with as a mouse and keyboard player. So just have that option to turn it off. Like choose. Okay. Maybe maybe you have you know when I play Rocket League, I can click which regions I want to be matched up with. Maybe you. Maybe you click it and you make it. Do I want to match up with just Xbox players, or do I, you know? Yeah. So yeah. give people that. Give people. But that yes, option. more games should have that option. I mean, I find shooter like competitive shooters are maybe a rough example, but yeah, for sure, there's lots of games that have co- great co-op games that like you'd want to play with friends. You're a rough um, example. All right, um, all right. So my turn for new stuff, and I'll keep it short so we can get onto the next segment. But uh, well, Tracer in Overwatch, she's like the titular character. And let let me tell you something about Overwatch. Folks. Emphasis on tit. Uh, <laughs> wow, it was, it was classy. Way to keep it classy, Crofton. Stay classy. Um, if you like butts, the butt technology for both men and women in this game <laughs> nice segue. is 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 incredible. So there, everything's well animated. There's lots of nuance and voiceover, and it's cartoony, but everything's very well articulated artistically, including the butts. And so at the end of a match, there are victory poses where, like, your team lines up. And they're static. They don't even animate. You just kind of – you're all posing, like, for a Polaroid or something. And I guess some guy who – I think he's a developer on this game, Alkaline's Gun or Alkeen's Gun or something. Sort of Hitman-ish type uh, World War II stealth game that just got released to sort of middling reviews. But maybe it's a great game. I don't want to talk trash about the guy. But he posted – apparently it was him who posted on the forum – about how his daughter loves Tracer, but Tracer is a childlike character. I mean, she's an adult, but she has this pose where she's looking behind her, presumably at whoever's looking at her from the back, and her butt is there, and they said it was too sexy. It is. I watched it. It is like she's got pants going up her ass, and it's like it but, is too sexy. But all of it's like that. Like you, when you're in game, you can watch over the shoulder, and you see her butt. Like it, her butt is there, and he's, it was, hers it was is a by far pose. Okay, maybe. Like let's say, let's say I'm not going to say it is or it isn't, or give my opinion. I don't. I didn't find my it opinion very, is that it is. I like my opinion is I find it just as like sexual, if you will, as any of the like 30 other poses of women in there doing things like the fact that this one was isolated the rationale was that she's a 
character that's more of a role model for younger people because she appears more useful. Yet she is an adult. This discrimination against short people to say they look like kids, by the way. Um, <laughs> that's and, a reach, but keep yeah, going. Yeah, it's a reach. So anyways, the best part about this, there was a big furor, right? You know, yeah, that let's make Tracer great again, all this kind of stuff. You know, let's not pander to the politically correct people. And lots of people saying there's it's okay to be sexual. Like there's sexual characters in there and they love their Tracer that way. And Blizzard said they were going to change it, which is why all the Blizzard fanboys and girls were freaking out. Uh, they did release a new a new pose though, and it's pretty much every bit as sexual as what was there. It's just from the side, and she has a smile on her face instead of looking a little more provocative. So, um, anyways, that happened. Uh, so if you like butts, play Overwatch. Blizzard is in full support of their very sexually endowed characters. I I will <laughs> say that Blizzard is like, and maybe I'm going easy on them because definitely. Because because they design their games in such a way that they want them to run properly on as many computers as possible, they've never really been pushing polygons in terms of graphics, right? It's, like, it's not so, like a, a high-res so, sex simulator or anything sure, like that. So when, but, when a game comes out, like a Blizzard game in the yeah. past, I've never really thought of like super sexy girls. But I guess the Diablo characters are often fairly sexualized. Well, but they're, they're – um, the, it, that game is rated okay, M so, for mature. So in Heroes of the Storm, right? one of our big jokes was Li Ming, who's the wizard from the wizard character from Diablo. When, when you reach level ten with a character, like just you've played them a lot, you get the opportunity to buy a master skin, and her master skin is basically she wears pants, but in her master skin, it's like her crotch is cut off, so you just see her thong and the pant legs. It looks real weird. Like, there is a lot of provocative stuff. And you know what? It's okay. Like, there's nothing bad about having sexual characters in it. Like, it's it's more just... It seemed to be picking on this one particular character. I, for I that think that, that Overwatch though has is aiming and, and Blizzard both in Heroes and in Overwatch are, are aiming for more of a family friendly audience sure. than they are that than they are in Halo or even in Call they of Duty. They are aiming it's, for it with a murder simulator, but they are aiming no, for it. No, I know. Whatever. Yeah. But it's like Splatoon. Splatoon yeah. was Nintendo's first person shooter. It's essentially they're aiming for a family audience. If like their character turned around and was like, check out my sweet ass up my pants, you know, like I mean and it's just tonal, and and all the people who are pissed off about it are, are men. You know, like they're all like, "Oh, right. fuck they're, this! They're, they're... I want to see that sweet ass. Why are they changing it?" You know, like anyway, no, no, women, dude. A Twitter feed with all the women that I have who are Blizzard fans that I follow on Twitter that I've seen are also think this is like way too extreme. This is an extreme response in a situation that was benign from someone crusading about it. That's sort of been the, like, it's not just men. It's it's mainly women that are more vocal because I find men are scared of being vocal because they don't want to get drawn into this shit unless they're trolly or argumentative like I am. But, like, for the most part, it's it, it was overstated. I think the situation was overstated. So, anyway. All right. But I, I will agree with you. You're going to have to so, play Overwatch, man. Overwatch is real good. Tracer butt gate is now behind us. Pun intended. <laughs> And with that, bring your, bring let your us toilet move paper, folks. On to right. the games that we are playing, which may or may not include Overwatch in the second section. We call games per minute. Kids minds like vegetables. Talk about them out on the street, smoking pot. This is games per minute. How do you feel about cutting his head off? Yeah, how do you feel about cutting his head off, Crofton? Bo, you still playing Overwatch? Uh, no. So um, I've stopped <laughs> playing Overwatch actually because Tracer Buttgate. Because <laughs> Tracer Butt, yeah, basically. No, no, because I, I play Heroes of Storm. That's my game. So I, when I have time, I play in that game. 
trying to climb back up on the ranked ladder, baby. But um, so no Overwatch at all. I'm probably not getting back to Overwatch to launch. It's real fun, but at the same time, it lacks strategic depth. Like literally, the maps are go to point A, move the payload, go to point B. It is super well executed. Everything's great about it. It's not meant to be a criticism. It's just I have to choose to spend my time playing games I want. And I've been playing Heroes of the Storm. And, uh, you know, yeah. And I'm even watching it right now. By the way, game two is on. It's still tied up, but I think Arizona State is in the lead. We'll let you know in a second what's going on. So if Arizona State wins this, it's done, right? No, it's best of five. So uh, there'll be a third match after this. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. That will really be on the ropes, man. It's they're like they're the both NHL at team playoff. level twelve. I can't this dumb UI that they're using. I can't tell who's in the lead right now. With the, it's it's on Towers of Doom, and so Towers of Doom, you have to put shots on the core to like win the match. And but it doesn't say well, how many. You've been doing so. a good job, I must say, of staying focused. So oh yeah, I, oh yeah. Excellent. Like I, I said, it's my priority, but I just don't want to miss. I, I can't miss this. It's March Madness, baby. I got an Asmo Dunk skin on the line. All right, but what have you been playing, dude? Because I talk about Heroes of the Storm a lot. Uh, let's so, talk about what, what's new in your life because uh, I want to hear about it. So I've been playing Dying Light the past a few episodes, as you may know. Like I talked about it. I really enjoyed it. Now I finished the game, and I put like like 40-some hours into it, which is – I realize now that all games are pretty long unless you get like an the order – length game which i played fairly recently and and those are good pa- palette cleansers cleansers for but dying light um was i really enjoyed it the story was not necessarily that that great but the gameplay was really great and i played it on hard and i would recommend people do that it's really uh really rewarding although it's super tough at the beginning yeah. anyway i finished i finished dying light i if, if you're interested in my thoughts on it i i we did two episodes where i talked about it I don't want to rehash that too much. Um, I will say that I didn't like. I loved it, but but the the, uh, the Awakening, which is its expansion pack, came out um, in January, I think, of this year, and it's on sale on Steam right now. So I finished the game, and the expansion pack was on on sale on Steam. I really liked Dying Light, but yet I didn't buy it. And the reason I didn't right. buy it was just I had had it like forty hours for me was enough. And I know it's like going to introduce driving and cars and some different dynamics, but I I completed the story, killed the big bad guy, you know, scratched my zombie parkour itch or <laughs> Ew, whatever. Yuck. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to hear itch. about your zombie itch. <laughs> there you go. There's another show title. Um so uh, Oh, by the way, we also missed uh 50 shades of console, but uh, yeah. Fifty Shades of Console. Yeah, That's I'm, I'm writing this one down too. This this show is going to have about a hundred titles. What, what was it again? Sorry, Zombie Itch. Scratching, scratching my Zombie Itch. All right. So, so Bloodborne is the game I'm playing now, and it's funny because uh, Dead Souls uh, three um, came out this week. I think yeah. it was one of the big releases, and uh, and Bloodborne came out pretty much this time last year, and okay. uh, my wife got it for me for Christmas, and I've just I've just been sitting on it because I've had a bunch of games, uh, a bunch of games to play, and I was kind of scared of it to be honest. Um, people had built it up as uh, the worst thing ever, but also the best. Um, and really? I have. Have you ever played any of the Souls? games? I've played Dark Souls, and I hated. I hated it. I I, I like that it was hard, but there's something about the the way the game played that felt janky to me, and so I just yeah. I just went nah. 
So the I played Demon Souls, which is the predecessor to Dark Souls, and I haven't played Dark, Dark Souls. Souls. <laughs> I don't want to play that game. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that Dark Souls. Like, <laughs> um, so, uh, it's like so, my life story. D- I haven't played Dark Souls one or two because I didn't finish <laughs> Demon Souls, not due to the difficulty because I put in a lot of time, but due to just having played a game for a really long time, not finishing it and just drifting to something else. Sure. So yeah, I always yeah. felt like, you know what, if I want a game like that, I'll just relaunch Demon Souls. I, I, I hadn't finished it. But then the new console generation came. I realized I wasn't going to go back, and Bloodborne was supposedly a different type of gameplay, and it is. It's much more speedy, like as opposed to uh, the sort of slow mo- slow motion movement of the other game. And I had read all these reviews, and everybody said, like, you know, this is going to kick your ass, and you're going to hate it at first, and then you're going to love it. And and so I was wondering what the turnaround time for that was, like. How much was I going to hate it before I started loving it? And maybe because I was mentally prepared. Like, I'm only at the first boss, to be clear. I'm only at the first boss, although you can explore other areas instead of just fighting the first boss. You can go to different places, and I've done that. Um, And to get to the first boss, it was a bitch. Let me tell you, (laughs) it was a bitch. Um, Okay, I'm with you. It's a hard uh, game. It's a hard game, folks. But... I'm now in. Like, I feel like I'm in now. Like, yes, sometimes I'm like, oh, this game, you know, like, and, and, uh, cause you get the way it works, Bo, is like, so your XP, if you will, your, your current, your gold, your, your, your gold experience points, everything you use to build up your character, to buy gear, to upgrade your gear, all that sort of stuff, um, is called blood omens or whatever. And uh, you get those, you kill a dude, you kill anything, you get blood omens. If you die, your body is, you have to get back to your body, essentially, to recover your, you go down to zero blood omens. So you need to go back to your body and you need to get it. And, and, And if there's an enemy around it, it may possess your body. So you then have to kill that enemy before you can recoup your blood omens, right? Right. So... If you die a second time, so if you don't get your blood omens, if you die trying to recuperate them, then they're gone forever. And um, it, and what sucks – now, there is obviously a way to keep them, which is to spend them. But you can only spend them in like the sort of hub area. Right. So like you get these situations where you, you're really far from the hub area. And if you go back to it, all the enemies will respawn. All of them will respond. So you've gotten really far and you have a lot of blood omens and you can go all the way back. There will be no enemies. It will be an easy walk back. Go to the hub area. Spend all your shit and level your guy up and then and then you will have saved your blood omens. But then you'll go back and all the enemies will be back. you have to kill them all over again. It's very difficult so it could take a long time. Or – Instead of going all the way back, you could just go a little bit further and maybe you'll hit another save point that'll link you back to the hub area. Or maybe you'll unlock a shortcut that will link you back to the, the last one. So you're always tempted to push on, push on, and and then you're so scared about dying. Because if you die, then then your your body will be so far along and then you'll have to kill all the guys to get back to your body and recuperate recoup it and stuff so there's so much stress so like my hands are just sweating i'm like oh god don't let me die please <laughs> and uh and it's fast paced like it's much faster paced than the souls game so um 
but it's still there is a, a jankiness, if you will, and that's what's frustrating because um, you can die. I think you can die. People say if you die, it's your fault, and, and you can't blame the game. The game is always fair. I've seen that in reviews. I don't think that's true necessarily. I think it's very easy to get caught up in the environment. The camera is tight to you. Sometimes you can't see shit, and then you die, and you're like, oh, my God. You're so stressed, and then you die. Um, so I would say like I'm, I'm really enjoying it, but and, and I'm sure I'm going to enjoy it even more, but it definitely is not for everyone. It beats the shit out of you. I'm not sure it's, it's a Bo Schwartz game. Like, honestly, I think that I, I think do that like would... hard things, but I think the time investment seems rough. That's it, well, you, you the time investment you I think you would not have a problem with. I think doing the same area over over and over again, because you do. It's interesting. They say this in reviews and it is true. There's a third tier of leveling up. There's like you can level up your gear, you can level up your guy, yeah. but almost the most important leveling up is leveling up yourself. So if I go through an area, there could be a guy that jumps out of a window. The first time I go through, he might kill me. Then the second time I'm like, there's a guy that's going to jump out of that window. You know, like right. I know that there's a guy that's going to jump out of that window. So right. I'm going to stay back. Oh, he jumped out. Then I go kill him. It's easy. So what went from a really dangerous situation goes to a really predictable one. Uh, because, And then, then to extrapolate further, you fight a boss. And the first time you fight them, they are scary as shit because they got like two insta-kill moves but then you go the third time you're like okay i know how this guy works a little bit and right. that's what so that's so uh, so much fun when you feel that you have leveled up personally you're like this guy that used to be really scary to me is not so scary anymore because i know kind of how he works uh and it doesn't have anything to do with my character being stronger or whatever um, it just has to do with the fact that I now have gained the experience necessary to beat this guy. So, so uh, you know, it's it's pretty cool. I'm sure I'm going to play it a lot, a lot more. I doubt I will finish it, but who knows? Stranger things have happened. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't. I I kind of. I think I, it sounds cool. I just think I don't don't love the whole trial and error only as an option like you know it's like you can't walk into a place the first time and sort of you know make strides like you have to basically die like it's guaranteed almost the first time you do everything sounds like rough business but i don't know if it's rewarding i get it so you know ftl was it, like that you know but with those kinds of games like rogue legacy and ftl you kind of dying is okay like it's part of the fun because you're going on a run but this one sounds like you it's actually interesting by, that you by. made that comparison because I think about it. FTL in particular is a game that would enrage me sometimes because it was it was very random. So oh, you would yeah. teleport to a zone. You knew there was a risk, but then you'd get there and then it's like you're fucked and everybody dies even though you built up a good ship. Yeah. In in Bloodborne. There isn't that randomness because generally, you know, like you can kind of look a little bit ahead. There are bosses or enemies that can jump out, as I said, but it it becomes – it's much more sort of manageable and predictable. It's more related to player skill than it is to randomness, right? right so right. that is one, that is one thing that, that is uh, – uh, you know, it's not as – I don't want to say it's not as hard as I thought, but it's not as – it didn't take as long as I thought – of me hating it before I liked it. Like once you okay. get out of the tutorial area and and even the tutorial I find was like, it's almost poorly done on purpose, 
But like you don't even get the ability to level up your character until you encounter the first boss. And that was a little frustrating to me because I'd saved up a lot of money, but I couldn't spend it. And so that meant if I died, I was going to lose it all. The best way not to lose it is to spend it. But I had nothing to spend it on until I got to the first boss and unlocked that ability, right? Now I think I've unlocked all the things I can spend money on. So it's a little easier to... Those kinds of games, too, are also... um, It's like the Super Metroid sort of effect where like, I think it would be entertaining to watch someone who knows the game speedrun it or at least do a full completion of some kind and, you know, do it you know, impress us with their ability to study the game and run it. Like those games seem appealing to me that way. I think I'd rather watch it than play it, to be honest. It's funny because you could go back, like, remember how I said the third pillar of level is yourself? Yeah. Well, you could go back and start the game over. And once once you have done it and you got a sense of how to fight each enemy, what their weak spots are, how to do it, you start memorizing the maps, you start knowing the areas and stuff like that. And then you go back, like you could start the game over and it would be so much easier even with a low-level character because it's really exploring the fir- the scariest. Scariest is always when the first time you go somewhere. You open a door for the first time, you go into an area. But this is a game where you will be doing that same area over and over again as you go back to the safe spot and come back. You go a little bit further, a little bit further, a little bit further, you know? So, I mean, it's not for everyone, obviously. And I sort of think it wouldn't be for you, but for me, it's so far tickling my... I look forward to hearing your rage next week uh, as you get hung up on some very challenging part. Um, Possible. And then then you will go through the drama of... Do I look this up online, but or do I be a purist about it or whatever? So, oh, I'm sure I that's totally, coming, but yeah. To be to be fair, because I know the game is such a bitch, and because I the, the penalty of death is so high, I have already started looking stuff up online. Oh wow! Like cheater! Like I, I it's not, it's not cheating. It's foreshadowing. I just said so, that to make you feel bad, dude. Whatever, I don't care. Look it up. So, like the big thing is like you know what I've got all these ex- blood omens, and yeah. I'm thinking to myself, shit. Do I go back to the safe point, or do I keep on trucking? I like I'll look and be like, okay, should I go back, or oh, okay, I should go back, you okay. know, or whatever. Okay. I can I can look because otherwise it's it, it's really impossible to know, and it's a huge time investment. Because as soon as you go back to the safe point, all the enemies respawn. And that is huge because, yeah. I mean, it, it's just like if it took you half an hour to go through an area, it may take you 20 minutes to do it again. You'll be faster, but it's still but a it time It still investment. takes time to kill people. Now. It's not like Diablo where you just, you know, or Path of yeah, Exile yeah. where you just sort of run over everything. Um, okay. Uh, well, you know, if that's all you've got to say on the Bloodborne. For now. Then- for now, then we'll check in with you and see uh, how much hair you've pulled out. Uh, but I think we need to move on to a new section, a section that I'm going to segue into, even though Crofton normally likes to do this. I think we call the dialogue tree. Oh, yeah, listen to that sound. So pleasant on the ear. Now that there's one fine dialogue tree. All right, so this is the dialogue tree where we talk about a topic that we feel like talking about, more debate style, although it's kind of like how the rest of the show runs, but we're just sort of picking a topic here and going forth with it. But before we introduce you to the topic, a little check-in on the Heroes of the Dorm status that uh, UT Arlington has lost their second game. Arizona State took game two on Towers of Doom. I mean, they're getting... 
they're getting stomped. This is this is a stomping. Like, so, it's, is, it, uh, is it a stomping or is it yeah, just two squeakers? Yeah. Like I'm not listening to it, but it's like they're getting trounced. Like they're dominated by the other team. It's kind of sucky for a finals to have it. I got to be honest with you, man. We need some uh, some other teams to bring the fire here. It's it's or kick out, expel Arizona State from their school. All those students because. Uh, they're just mopping the floor with the other team. It's it's not. Cool. I have to do some yeah. drug testing after it's over. Maybe find a little Red Bull in there. <laughs> cocaine, uh, a little Red Bull laced with cocaine. Uh, yeah, controversy. All right, but so, this week's topic, Crofton, tell us what it is because you. Brought so this it's to it. the dialogue tree this week. There's in we didn't talk about it in the news, but I mentioned it off the hop. Uh, there's rumors of a PlayStation 4.5, an enhanced version of the PlayStation 4. The idea of this, I think, would be to allow for two things. One is 4K graphics on PlayStation games as 4K TVs become more commonplace. So the idea being that the PlayStation can run at 10, PlayStation 4 can run at 1080p. If somebody gets a new 4K TV and wants to play their PlayStation games in 4K. You know, they're not able to right now. The PlayStation 4.5 would perhaps solve that. The other thing is PlayStation VR is coming later this year. Maybe it would be possible to use it in an enhanced resolution, perhaps limiting some of the screen door type effects. So um, PlayStation, because they're on top of the world right now, they're the leaders. They're thinking, you know, people would shell out for this, an enhanced version of the PS4. Call it the PlayStation 4.5 and um, and, and uh, go with it. Xbox One also, it's sort of like uh, has always been a little bit technologically inferior to the PS4. And they're talking about doing an enhanced version of this midway through the Xbox One's life cycle. Is our console upgrades a good idea? Um and that's sort of what we would want to talk about a little bit today. We don't know the details of these ones, but Bo, I will give you, believe it or not, the absolute master, or I don't know if master is the right term, of console upgrades is Nintendo, of all people. Oh, I have a story, by the way. Are you going to talk about the 64? Oh, I will, but I was going to first start with my recent purchase of the Nintendo, uh, the new Nintendo 3DS. That's its name. So the new Nintendo 3DS is it was released last year, has a now an extra thumbstick and increased processing power. There are some games now that are only released for the new Nintendo 3DS. And to piss people off more, um, the Virtual Console, which allows you to play old Nintendo games, has just announced that Super Nintendo games are coming to the new Nintendo 3DS, but they will not work with the original Nintendo 3DS. So games that came out originally on a 16-bit system like Donkey Kong Country, Legend of Zelda, um, Super Metroid, all that, you'll only be able to play those on the new 3DS. So there's like a two-tiered system on the 3DS. That's easy for consumers to follow. Yeah. And uh, and then, but prior to that, Nintendo's had a series of like there's probably eight Game Boy Advances, a zillion, you know, like uh, Game sure. Boy Colors and Game Boy Slim or whatever. And then, Bo, do you want to take away well, with the Nintendo, Nintendo 64? Nintendo One of the most irritating things ever was what well, I don't even remember exactly what it was. It was a memory pack expansion upgrade. pack. So called. it was like you had to literally buy a piece to upgrade your games, and then you have games that would only work with the upgraded thing now. Some of them, was, I, I imagine, played better as well with it, but like the, some games required it. 
the two um, the two big so Donkey Kong sixty four, Donkey Kong Country sixty or Donkey Kong sixty four. You could buy it and it came, you had two. No, there's only one version, or and it came with the expansion pack. So like, it was a super expensive game, but it came with this expansion pack, which which added doubled the RAM or something to to the. Um, the Nintendo 64. Right. Then Perfect Dark came out, and Perfect Dark was like... It's a good game. It, it was a really good game, but you could only play the campaign with the expansion pack. The only thing, if you didn't have an expansion pack, all you could play was multiplayer, and you could only play a very bare-bones version of that multiplayer. So for all intents and purposes, to get the game to run, you needed the expansion that expansion pack at that point. Yeah. So... Not everybody who owned a Nintendo 64 ponied up. I think it was $40 at the time if you just wanted to buy the expansion pack. If you wanted to buy it with Donkey Kong Country, I think it was 100 bucks for both of them or something. Yeah, so I remember getting that and feeling like, man, this, this sucks. Like, it, it's like, it wasn't a big deal, but like still, another example of upgrading consoles. But yeah, so do you Didn't think... Like here's I talked about install base earlier. So I said, like, when you buy something, you, you get people who have it, and then you can sell games knowing that X amount of people have that system. Um, so we were talking about it in the context of VR. But if you, if, you have, uh, if you sell an upgraded version of your console, well, then you're making it tough for developers because now they, your install base is essentially split. You've got the people that have the original version and you have people that have the new version. Right. So like which like what is the the added benefits of having these new features what does it like is it the splitting of the consumer base is it ever a good idea cuz like it feels like even no it, it feels like the answer to that question is no like it, it, you shouldn't like but i think the rationale is that a per certain percentage of the more hardcore player base will go out and get these things to get those particular game experiences but it can't be good the initial the machine should be buy it, buy the accessories, play the games. It should never be. Um, it shouldn't be upgradable. I think. So, what do you think about these rumored PlayStation four point five? Like the idea of adding four K. You buy the new one, you add four K. Maybe you increase the resolution in VR. But technically, anybody, everybody else should. Maybe you you cut loading times in existing games. But aside from that, like if every game that comes out should work with both PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 4.5. At least that's what's being speculated right now. Is that an okay upgrade, like having an enhanced version of the console like that? I think so. Like, I think those kinds of upgrades are okay, actually. Like, I mean, if you're just talking about putting more RAM or uh, some kind of, like, just any kind of upgrade to the system that doesn't actually affect the environment. Like, basically, because consoles, let's face it, they're for children. They're for the older generation. They're, I'm not the audience for them. They're for people who just want to buy the disc and buy the box and go. And so, you know, a game that you like, should be really good and be successful if, if there's other gates to cross, that's less people being interested in the game. And I think that results in a less popular game. And if anything, we want game, we want the games that we love to be shared by a lot of people. And this is sort of a wall, a barrier to that. So I would yeah. I would like I know you you always like shitting on the console market but like <laughs> Bloodborne 
is only on PlayStation 4. It is the hardest of the hardcore game possible. It is not for your grandpas or your whatever. And almost all consoles are online and people are buying more digitally than they are practically in stores now for consoles so Poor i mean grandpa it's like who blood, bloodborne thinking it would be a fun fantasy game only to be like it's the yeah. the worst game ever <laughs> uh, possibly but sony's sony's brand is associated with these these from software games and these other things now so sure. like i i just think that that um that even a 4.5 that adds 4K and all that sort of stuff, I think the reason they're doing that is because they're on top of the mountain. And that's what annoys me because it's always the people on top of the mountain that are doing this shit that are like Nintendo always does it in the portable space because they're always on top of the mountain in the portable space. When you have variants of your your hardware, it's because you can afford to make a different version because you've recouped your costs on your original version. You know, there's no like there's no eight versions of the Wii U because the Wii U is a failure. Uh, there as soon as as soon as a zillion people own something, that's when they're looking to make more. I'm not sure if they make more money on the sales though because like this is where it gets confusing to me. It's like, do they make money selling these PlayStation 4.5s? If not, then what's the point of doing them? Because it just divides your market. It's not a service they're providing to gamers, you know? Like, Well, I guess, like, if it's clearly, if ever, like, as long as the ecosystem is stable and there's no 4.5 only nonsense going on, like, that seems fine. That it seems like, because, you know, Steam has different types of boxes, different manufacturers, whatever. The Steam library still works on it. And, but it, it works, but well, it you still on have the to follow of your computer. Yeah. You still have to follow the minimum spec question, but that's not a factor in con- consoles. Don't deliver their specs. If but I feel like up. this, this, it would be because, say, so if you're able to play PS4 games in 4K, and, and do the VR in a higher resolution. It means you have a beefier machine. So how long before a game developer is like, I want to release a game that takes advantage of this but will only be available in 1080p. So wow. it, it can only run on the PlayStation 4.5 in 1080p, but the PlayStation 4 regular version is not powerful enough for it. Like they're releasing a more powerful machine. So unless they put restrictions on developers and say, look, you cannot release – you know, more powerful games or you have like the versions that come out on PlayStation 4 are the equivalent of PC versions with medium graphics and then the versions that you, if you put the disc in the PlayStation 4.5, you get the game in high or higher graphics. I mean, like again, it's annoying. I guess it's not that bad. Maybe I'm overstating how crappy it is. Like just generally, I don't like to fuss over, I like the box to work as the box, and I don't want to have to do any extra hoops to play other things. But in the case of PlayStation 4.5, that's just like a new release. Mind you, if you bought the PlayStation 4, and I don't know, like do you, like it's like they're adding an extra console to the console cycle without doing it. Is it was what it feels? They like. are because, totally because oh, we do. missed the boat on a couple of things, and we wanted to hedge our bets, so we didn't include it. But now we're confident it's going to be a thing. I guess if you know that you're a console gamer, this stuff's of value to you. You're happy to see your developer make new items. So, from that perspective, that's good. That's a it good. It depends thing. if you just save four hundred bucks to buy a PlayStation. Depends 4, on your it... income, but like if you don't have a lot of income, gaming gaming can be periodically expensive when you have to buy new hardware and depending on your weapon of choice. So my, we'll see what happens with the PlayStation VR. My guess is that like it's going to be complete garbage with PS4, and they're going to say you need PS4.5 for it to be half decent. That's what's going to happen. 
Oh yeah, if, it, if at all, maybe they just won't support it on four. Maybe they'll be like, if you want the VR experience, it got to be on four point five. Oh god! And then they're boom. There's a new site. But I mean, these companies have to make money. And you, your point was well stated about on top of the mountain. They can do that. If they were slumped, then they wouldn't do it, and they'd find a made way to make it work on four. The fact is, as a gamer, whether you're console or PC, you will have the periodic upgrades. And I think you just have to be look at your company's history and be okay and plan ahead for what's ahead for your system. Mind you, I think we got spoiled a little bit because like the PlayStation Three and Xbox One. Or Xbox, Xbox One, Xbox 360 cycle lasted a really long time with it did. few side grades, except for like the connect on the Xbox and the move accessories. Yeah. Like there was never a we need to upgrade this machine thing. I think VR is really throwing things for a loop, probably um, with respect I to both of have... them and the integrated. Like the, a lot of the consoles do more than just games now; they do other things. So 4K, v- 4K is coming. Is... Like. Like, if you go into Best Buy and look at the TVs, it's all 4K. They're pushing the 4K TVs, so people want, like, I don't know. They want – you need something that's going to provide a 4K image to, to be able to display it. The other the other thing is, is like, every console generation does a ton of remodeling of their console. Right. Like, my Xbox 360 Red, Red Ring of Death, and I had yeah. to buy another one. And I got, like, an elite black one that was, like – a later generation one, you know, right. and um, there's there it has a bigger hard drive. Uh, there's a bunch of other things that it has, like it has new parts. They fix some stuff, but it's essentially it's an Xbox 360. Like it's no, they I think supposedly it, the loading time is a little reduced or whatever, but it's it, there's no games that I can only play on the elite version. It it has small quality of life benefits, and they've always like I have the PlayStation Three Slim, the bigger hard drive, was, the bigger hard drive. That's like the the big difference I think with all those Xboxes was the size of the yeah. hard drive. Right, and and there's like slim versions of consoles. You know, sure. near the end, PlayStation always had like a PlayStation Two Slim or PlayStation. I think there was an Xbox slim. slim too. I think there was a smaller Xbox at one point. Yeah, so it's like they they do those, yeah. but I, that's not the same thing as like an upgrade to the component to the sense that it 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 becomes so much more of a powerful PC. It's not like the equivalent of changing your video card in your PC, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think when you were like. Uh, labeling console players as, as a certain type. I think you did hit the nail on the head when you said they they are looking for that out of box experience. They're not looking to they're not looking to upgrade this and upgrade this part and upgrade that part. You know, so yeah, yeah. I don't so know. I guess the, it's like the the final verdict for me is like it's okay. Like it's probably I probably overstated a little bit like how crappy it is. I prefer the simplicity of just getting the box and being done with it because uh, that is the appeal. If I wanted simple i wouldn't be a pc gamer and that would be an appealing product for me and i'm glad we have consoles um but you know you, it's it's not i don't fun like to... I, so Bo, bo's okay with it i'm not okay with it uh what's the score what's the score oh um no there's the next the third match hasn't started yet they're really filling the time on this thing uh because it's such a trouncing i assume game three is going to be lost too and they have so much time to fill so there's been like interviews and stuff they haven't even started game three i think they're just going to get to drafting soon it's commercial break right now so is there a bronze medal match or something no 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 there's the semifinals were yesterday so you know there's that yeah um all right well now that we have discussed that topic let us move into our weekly recommendation segment one that we like to call inventory management
Inventory management is a challenging and inexact science. Thank you, Mr. Australia, man. In the spirit of a virtual reality, VR is here, baby. I was trying to think of my uh, virtual experiences I've had, and honestly, I can't think of that many. (laughs) Uh, What was the one you played? Um, Shark Tale or something? What was it? I can't remember. Sea Walker? Yeah, that was scary. Um, the (laughs) The thing is, is like, I'm I'm thinking about fully blown games that I've played at certain points and had like a, a somewhat of a virtual experience. So I started thinking about it and I was like, man, really you have to go back to arcades because arcades essentially like there's games where you get on the motorcycle and you can move it around. It's like providing some sort of it's a different type of virtual engagement, but sort of an idea that it's more than just controllers or whatever uh and so i thought about in college i would play this game san francisco rush 2049 all the time it was at the local bar they had an arcade cabinet it's like you'd sit down in the car seat there are multiple of them together and i eventually got the game on my dreamcast as well uh and the dreamcast version is actually super fulsome game it's got like three modes way way more than what they have in the arcade with battle cars and stuff it's a great game in its own right but the focus on the vr experience my recommendation is if you see a san francisco rush 2049 cabinet you get your rush on because that game is sweet it had shortcuts when you would explode you had this big red abort button right next to you you just jam it and and uh satisfied as your your car would get placed back um back on the track and uh, it just had good like tactile feedback the steering wheel felt really good there's one at house of targ uh, in uh, ottawa here where we are but uh, i i'm sure it's a machine that you can find pretty pretty easily so my recommendation this week san francisco rush 2049 yeah man it looks dated i'm i'm checking out a video on youtube right now but i can see it being fun it looks like a fun racer i'm sure you got it gonna... you have to play it in the arcade machine now okay. i guarantee you sit down and play it it would still give you the thrills. Yeah, I believe it. I believe it. I like this. There are sh- cool shortcuts in this thing. It's real yeah. sci-fi. Like this guy's driving on a glass road up on top of skyscrapers. Yeah, three sixty glass road. I, I don't remember through the subway oh my God, system. Now he's driving upside down. It's a crazy looking game. Okay, good recommendation. All right, now on to my recommendation because it's a VR edition. Now I haven't played many full games on VR, but this is sort of a quasi real game and VR recommendation, and that's the Half Life Two VR mod. So Half Life Two already a great game. You don't need much of a reason to go back and experience it. I did because they actually um, Valve made a VR edition, and in my DK Two, what was great about this is that there are ways to emulate VR in games like Borderlands Two, which I've played in VR and Skyrim. The problem is when you move your head around. Your aim moves around. It's not disassociative right. yeah. with you know where your head looks. But what what Valve did here, or whoever made the mod, I think it was Valve, they made it so that your mouse controls almost a light gun style. You know when you don't have a light gun for a light gun game, so that you use the mouse to just point yeah, and click yeah. where it is. So light gun style, you have your hand stuck out in front of you, and you aim where it shoots, and it works real great. And then you look around, and your hand is still in front of you. Even if you look left or right, your hand is still in front of you. Um, so so wait, gotta, you hold your mouse up in the air in front of you? No, you just, it's just, it's like you aim it, like you aim, there's a red targeting reticule, and yeah. you aim it, and the hand animates to show where you're pointing it. So, oh, like, see, you know I what it's see, like? Yeah. It's like Goldeneye. It's like having permanent Goldeneye aiming on. Yeah. Right? So, like, you just shoot wherever on the screen. 
and it works real great. You know, when those buzzsaw blades come, you know, rear, yeah. rear, rear, they come shooting at your face. It's real fun to like try and snipe them out of the sky or just flail at them with your crowbar. Man, crowbar yeah, is a that, great weapon, by the way. Um, so Half Life Two, does seem, that does seem cool, Bo. Like how yeah. how it works. Does, so does it never? Um, like because when you turn around in those other games, and if you were to move, I guess it I guess it works, it, it, right? It, it drag it actually drags your hand. So like if you look left, it'll drag it a little bit. But like you have to aim. You, the point is that yeah. where you you can instantly look anywhere if you hear a noise or something like that and get that sense of presence, even though the graphics aren't that good. And also Half Life Two. See, the reason why we like the Val- the Half Life franchise and Valve making shooters is that. They're also very puzzly and platformy. Like there are parts of the game where you're immersed in it, and it's not a shooting section. It's a oh, how do I get past? Like there's those gross tongue things that hang off the ground. Yeah, and there's a weird puddle you don't want to step in, and you got to use your gun to put a box on a thing to climb up. Like it's very puzzly in some sections where you're running, you're running, and then you're stopped because oh, I got to take this area real slow. And so in the VR experience, it's very cool because it does lend itself a sense of space. Even though there's those little head face hugger type things they have yeah. in that game too, where they, they hop at you and you got to like avoid them when they jump at you. It's crazy. Game so is question, really good in VR, actually. If you were to shoot... Okay, so if I look behind me... One of the things that yeah. appeals to me in VR is like looking behind, seeing what's behind me at any yes. given time... So if I look behind me, could I like shoot over my shoulder and stuff like no, that? No, like, no. But you can look behind you, and, and the, you will bring the mouse in front of you, and then you aim it to shoot it. So essentially, I'm turning my whole. I'm turning. Yeah, like my, if it hits. So if, you can't. You can't there walk is a, forward. There is if you a, hold a border forward box, and then look look behind you. Your guy will suddenly start. He'll start walking that way. No, no. He'll walk other. in the same direction. You can look behind you and then walk forward and do the thing. Yes. Oh, really? Like, the so direct- you can shoot over your shoulder. So, maybe? so, so your your mouse look is on the VR thing, but your movement is still uh, you know WASD. So you move wherever they go. So when you when you turn your head, you, I don't think you walk forward, or maybe you do. I don't know. It works real well because you are sitting down. I'm not standing up using the fancy Vive shit. Maybe it worked differently in that. When you're sitting down, let me tell you, if you want to save your back, you don't spend a lot of time looking behind you, except for the novelty on occasion. Um, you can use your mouse to turn and your keys to turn, like instant turn, if you really need to. So, in Zion Light, there's this button. The Y button is yeah. to look behind you, and like you'll be running from monsters, and yeah. then you hit the Y button, and it slow. When when you look behind you, it slows down. That time. game must have a mod for VR, incidentally. You must be oh, like, like Alien Isolation, because would... in Alien Isolation, you change uh, something in any file, and it will work in the VR headset. I, I think Dying Light has something similar. That's it's. Like, God, sec- like make you sick. It's like this version of the secret game codes where you can find the secret VR codes in, in certain products where the developers have played their games in VR because they have dev kits. It's just not launched with that feature as an official feature. So, uh, yeah. yeah, sweet. Mm-hmm. I'm curious. So, our, I'll, our I should VR... lend, I'll lend you my Oculus. You'll play Dying Light in it. See how it goes. Our, our VR inventory first, management so. is San Francisco Rush for me and v- a Half Life Two VR edition for Bo. Yeah. Um, if you have suggestions you want to send us, um, exmpodcast at gmail.com is how you reach us. Uh, you can also go to exmpodcast.com. You'll find all our episodes there. Follow us on Twitter at exmpodcast. True. You'll find out when we go live. Um, live on Twitch. Twitch.tv slash exmpodcast is our Twitch channel. We love it. If people come and, and watch us, and we unfortunately... 
because we're doing a podcast, we're not interacting with the commenters, but you can see our lovely faces and then we can talk to you after if you're still sticking around. Um, so that's always great to do. Facebook.com slash EXM podcast. We're there as well. Uh, and uh, if you like us, uh, we have another show. It's called Good, Bad, or Bullshit. We do it with our loser friend, Mike Hodgins. <laughs> 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 and uh, we pick a topic at random and discuss it wow. every week. So wow. it's not video game related, but it's uh, it is a, it is a good show. Two two thirds <laughs> of it are really good. Um, and uh, we're individuals of an individual nature. So if you want to follow us uh, individually, you can do that as well. Such as my uh, friend Bo HTC Vive Schwartz. Where can they follow you? Okay, you can follow me on the Twitter at Bo Schwartz. And as Crofton said, we do exmpodcast.com. We do goodbadbull.com. And I'm on core, a Heroes of the Storm show at heroesforyou.com. And you can follow me at Crofton Steers on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, and so we're, we're available. We're available. You can also book us for acting. Uh, Bo is an actor, and I act every week or bi weekly on our Master Game Theater. Quote of the week, and uh, that's the segment we're heading into right now. It's now time for Master Game Theater. That segue was rough. It was, it was it was a rough one. You got there and you did it, but you know you were like, "Thank you." you it was like you, you know when you're trying to decide to turn left or right, and you're like, "Oh, I don't know which way to turn, and the turn's coming." Just, yeah. I was turning the right yeah. way. It was biweekly. All right, so um. Oh, yeah, bi-weekly, yeah, right. So we normally do a video game quote here. This time I'm cheating a little bit in the era of VR. Some of the most uh, fortuitous quotes uh, have been from from film, uh, which has dealt very much with VR, prominently The Matrix in 1999. And Lucky Palmer, uh, you know, co-creator of Oculus Rift, even quoted The Matrix uh, Morpheus in particular, because if you're going to quote the Matrix, you might as well quote the best. And uh, so we're just going to do a, a a quick two-person exchange here from the Matrix. So are we but, doing the Matrix film or are we doing Lucky Palmer's? No, we're doing the Matrix okay. film. I'd like to point so, out that this is not cheating because this scene was probably in the um, underrated Matrix The Path of Neo, where is a single-player adventure game where you play through the events of the Matrix films. Oh, so, interesting. Yeah. Good. Yeah. I didn't think about that. Boom. Um, the only so the boom. only Matrix fan like in the world, pretty much. Everyone really hates all those movies except the first one. Anyways. Yeah, the first one's awesome. Played all That's the what... games. Yep. Played all the Matrix games. They're all crappy. I still love them. So, so Bo, you are going to be Morpheus because I feel like you can pull off the Lawrence Fishburne-esque gravitas and are <laughs> okay. way blacker right. than I am. Oh, and, all right. I guess so. And, all right. and I will pull the one-word Neo response because I feel like I can nail Chris, uh, Keanu Reeves. So without further ado, thank you for listening to the uh, EXM yeah, thank podcast. You. Thank you so and, much. Uh, what? Uh, thank you. I'm thanking the listeners in unison with you. All right. I didn't mean to throw and off your concentration by saying thank didn't. you. You totally at the same did. Time this is you. why I got fired out of acting school. Okay, so you start. Unfortunately, no one can be told what the Matrix is. You have to see it for yourself. How? Hold out your hands. <laughs> Oh, 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 oh,